is Phoenix FM. Hi, this is Frank Turner, and you are listening to Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM. This is Phoenix 98 FM. So I'm backstage at the Cliffs Pavilion in Southend with the one and only Frank Turner of a Capital F. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Enjoying my Capital F. Um, yeah, it's, it's lovely to be back in Southend again. It's been uh, it's been a couple of years since I was through, so it's nice to be back. Yeah, look well. You've been got fish and chips yet? Um, I haven't. You know, I, I'm going to ruin this interview right now. I'm not the biggest um, fish and chips <laughs> fan, if I'm honest. I did. I had a wander along the seafront and I got myself a, a freshly deep fried donut thing from one of the stalls. Oh, on, that's as good as. Yeah, and very nice it was too. <laughs> good start. Good start. <laughs> So you're in the middle of a, a solo UK tour. Yes. Uh, normally I'd ask you how, how's it going, but, uh, but obviously there's a few clear challenges at the moment. Yes. I mean, obviously, um, you know, it's a global pandemic and I'm not sure that the music industry is the most important thing to think about at this point in time for most people. Yeah. It is for me because the, the live touring industry, because it's what I do. And also because in an industry that has taken something of a battering in the last year or two, um, mm. we're now facing I mean, I don't want to be melodramatic, but it feels pretty like an extinction event for the independent live industry, which is very concerning and worrying, and nobody quite knows what's going on or what's going to happen or how anybody's going to survive. Um, we're still here. We're still out on the road. Um, how many more dates of this tour we're going to get through, I don't know. I mean, the government is apparently making an announcement tomorrow morning. Um, you know, we are scanning the news and scanning all the possible advice and uh, all the rest of it. Um, uh, and we'll do what we think is right. Um, but tonight we're playing South End. So far, so good. Yeah. So as someone who's got a strong social conscience, you can pick that up in your music. Uh, obviously, there's so many bands who are in the middle of tours like yourself, mm. wondering whether to cancel or not, and people wondering whether to go or not as fans. Yeah. What's, what are your thoughts on... on I mean, obviously, I don't think anybody who feels sick or who feels vulnerable or who associates with vulnerable people should come along. Um, we reach a point at some point whereby, you know, if a significant proportion of the audience can't make it, we can't selectively refund people on this basis. And it's just not possible um, so is the right thing to do at that point to cancel I don't want to be part of the problem of spreading anything and all this kind of thing but the bottom line is is that the official advice from the chief medical officer <coughs> and chief scientific officer is that it is not increasing the risk of spreading having large event gatherings at the moment as long as those precautions are taken <coughs> um, some people have different opinions about the medical advice, but I'm not sure whether I trust an article that I read on Facebook over and above the chief medical officer. Um, but it's it's very hard to know exactly what to do. Like I say, I don't want to be making things worse, and that's important to me. But in the last two nights where we've been gigging after things really turned bad, we've had 90% of the people who've bought tickets have been showing up. And you generally have about a 10% drop-off rate for shows anyway. Yeah. So it sort of feels like things haven't changed that much. <coughs> excuse me in terms of our actual turnout but I mean it's very very hard to judge yeah uh, what do you think it spells for the music industry for uh, sort of the next six months or a year I mean, it's gonna, <coughs> um, is it going to change things a little uh, it's going to put an awful lot of people out of business mm. um, it's going to destroy the independent live music industry that is a fact that is happening um, independent promoters, venues, people who work on the crew side of thing are facing financial ruin and there is no way of sugarcoating that and that's not being melodramatic, it is going to happen. For example, a friend of mine runs a tour van company and he'll be out of business by the end of next week um, and he's been building that company for 15 years. Um, it's nobody's fault and <clears throat> we've all got to do the right thing but at the same time you know um, there are a lot of people who seem to be spending their spare time shouting at people in the music industry on Twitter and it's a bit like if you could just put a cap on that for a minute or two yeah. that might be nice um, so yeah so 
<clears throat> I don't know what's going to happen, and things will not get back to normal immediately when any restrictions are lifted, um, because the damage being done is is deep and long lasting. Um, and the thing is, you know, from my point of view, I have other ways of paying my rent. Do you know what I mean? I have merchandise and all that kind of thing. I worry for my crew. I worry yeah. for my band. I worry for the venues and the promoters that I work with and have worked with for years. Yeah. And of course, music is a great healer with all things. In well, your own words, the vibe in the last because we did, but we've done Bath and Aylesbury the last couple of nights, and the vibe in the room has been really kind of. It's weird at the beginning of the show, and it's kind of redemptive by the end because I think that you know, people, as much as I spend a lot of time trying to be um, careful about the claims I make for the importance of what I do for a living, like yeah. that thing of of art and of music and of coming together and all that kind of thing is really important to a lot of people, especially in difficult times. Um, so there, that is worth considering as well. Yeah. Maybe rock and roll can save us all. Well, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I also think washing hands is, 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 uh, is quite and self, and self isolating if you need to and all the rest of it, but um, also a bit of rock and roll. Equally as important. Uh, you released a live album and DVD version of your 2000th yes. solo gig mm. uh, back in Nottingham. How many gigs are we up to when you get back up there? Uh, 2,472 tonight, um, which sounds like an, a number that I just keep in my head, but it's actually written <laughs> on the set list up there, which I... I oh, yeah. Don't read the set list in advance, though, if you're coming to the show. It's got to be a surprise. <laughs> a lot of people always ask me if I can like give out the set list before the show, and it's like, no, 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 it's got to be a surprise. Top happens. secret. Yeah. <laughs> so what are your thoughts going? back up there and doing it all again at the same place you recorded the, the video you've been there before since um, yeah I mean I, I, in fact I'm not sure if I have been there since we did that show back in 20 very end of 2016 it was um, Rock City is an incredibly important place to me um, I have it's tattooed on my arm in fact right here um, yeah and it's just it's a it's a really um, it's just one of my favorite spots in the world always has been and it's just uh, good people running it doing things for the right reasons in the right way yeah uh, you spend a lot of time on tour. Uh, I think I read somewhere 200 gigs in the last in a whole decade every yeah, year. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Keeping busy. Busy man, busy man. Uh, what sorts of things you picked up in your time as a performer and how to deal with life on the road? Well, I mean, it's what I've been doing since I was 16 years old, really. So, I mean, I'm certainly much better at existing on the road than off it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yep. nor normal civilian life, as people <laughs> say in this trade, is, is, is much more challenging to me. You can't go back once you start. Well, I mean, I've got better at it in recent years. Like, I now have a home, which I didn't for about nine years. Yeah. Um, and I have a cat and a wife, not in that order. Um, and, uh, <laughs> we'll um, edit that out. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and I, uh, I I have got more domesticated as I got a bit older. But, like, um, you know, I like to think that I've got reasonably good at what I do for a living. One would hope that practice would improve that. Um, it, it's interesting because, like, you know, what there are actually three strings to my bow. Those three things I do. I'm a songwriter, I'm a musician, and I'm a performer. And those three things are separate do you know what I mean you can be good at any one or two of those without necessarily being good at the third um, but I like to think I know how to put in a show and entertain a room um, and it seems like some people like my songs they seem, they <laughs> seem to buy tickets and come to gigs so you know um, it's uh, yeah it's it, I mean it, I, I have a degree of professional pride in what I do yeah so did your wife put butter on your feet as well as the cats like um, yeah, I mean, she's actually she's playing tonight as well. Actually, she's the first on tonight. So, oh, she comes with you. Yeah, she's so this is the first time we've done that. She's a songwriter herself, and and um, to her credit, she's been a bit reticent about doing shows with me in the past, just because she didn't want it to come across as nepotism. It obviously is nepotism, but I think that like you know we're married for God's sake. Um, I think that's legit, you know, and it's <laughs> it is lovely having my better half on tour. Who's got the cat? 
Uh, we have a friend uh, staying in our house at the moment, looking after the house and the cat. I was so hoping you were saying that's the half-time act. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not sure that our cat would like touring very much. She's quite territorial. Uh, so your latest album, No Man's Land, it's, yeah. uh, it's well documented. You did a whole podcast series on, yes. on the stories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, within the songs, there's, there's obviously uh, that's a style you, you write in a lot, where you, you kind of tell a, a sort of narrative in the song. Yeah, sure. What is it you enjoy about that? Um, well, I mean, it's part of um, the sort of folk tradition, really. Is it's a storytelling um, genre, really. Um, I mean, the whole record started. Um, it's obviously it's a record about female historical figures in the final and the final result. But that wasn't the plan going in necessarily. The plan was to make a history album uh, because I love history, and as I say, there's this long tradition of it in folk music. And I thought, well, you know. I've told stories about me in the past and it'd be interesting to tell stories about other people and find inspiration somewhere other than just my own autobiography so I wanted to just tell some history stories and I wanted to tell stories that I felt were undertold you know that could bear more discussion in public life and um, I got about halfway through writing the record and realized that so far every song I've written was about a female historical figure there's obvious politics to that you know you're trying to tell stories that have been underrepresented in our sort of popular consciousness and our historiography and you end up writing just about women well duh do you know what I mean yeah, like it's, yeah. it's it's an obvious thing but I decided rather than then writing six more songs about men I thought I'd like I'd, I'd follow that prerogative and see where it went and we ended up with No Man's Land and I'm, I'm very proud of it uh, some of the some of the women in those stories, I'm thinking mm. uh, Sister Roseanne, uh, Sister Rosetta, Rosetta, yes. Rosetta. Yeah. Uh, did you feel any pressure writing a song about someone like that? In the yeah, music I mean, industry? you know, it's sort of the, well, that song specifically like was one of the earliest songs I wrote for the record, and it came. I read about music history all the time, and her name popped up over and over again, reading about Johnny Cash and about. Um, uh, Elvis and people like that and, and I had no idea who she was um, yeah. and I went and found out and discovered that she's one of the most influential figures in the world of like proto rock and roll you know um, she was a, a gospel singer who played an electric guitar and she was a Pentecostal and there's a very sort of wild animal engaged thing that they do at their services um, and she channeled that kind of joyous living spirit into the way that she played her guitar and sang and all the rest of it and in the process came up with something that sounds an awful lot like rock and roll to me yeah. um, and and, uh, you know, she doesn't really fit into any known category, certainly to the extent that rock and roll was a marketing device, which it was to a degree, which is about white teenagers, you know, a middle-aged black, possibly gay gospel singer, yeah. uh, female gospel singer, doesn't really sort of work in that box, so she's sort of got written out of the script. But the, basically, as a white guy who plays rock and roll, I think it's really important for me to be aware of her existence and to acknowledge her influence and all the rest of it so I, I wrote her a tribute song but um, it's funny I didn't really try and do it in her stylistic vein simply because I can't pull it off do you yeah. know what I mean like she's a black gospel singer <laughs> yeah you know I'm not sure the world needs to hear me trying to pretend to be um, that you know I'm not sure that's a brilliant idea uh, and on those podcasts, it's always great as a fan to be able to kind of like dissect a song. Mm. Uh, what was it like for you as an artist laying it all bare? It was like really that? cool. I mean, you know, the, the initial impulse was just that when I was writing the songs, I, it occurred to me quite quickly that I was either going to have to, uh, if I was going to try and write lyrics that were immediately accessible to everybody with no historical background, they were going to be quite shallow. Um, and if I was going to write songs that where the lyrics really got into the the nitty gritty of the history that I was talking about, it was going to require some kind of primer somewhere that would explain what it was I was talking about. And we talked about a book or like the longest liner notes in the history of the universe and all this kind of thing. And in the end, podcasting's great because it's still pretty wide open. Do you know what I mean? The, yeah. No one's really clear what the rules are, which means you can do whatever you want. So we did the podcast and, and obviously we then got in to talk about the music as well and that was really fun as well. But it was, yeah, it was really cool sort of getting that kind of. Um, 
deconstructionist, shall we say, about the songs, and, and I think that people took a lot from it, so I, I certainly really enjoyed the process. Do it again? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I'm not sure how much I need to do that for like just a regular album for me, do you know what I mean? Obviously, this one sort of stands aside from my back catalogue, but at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the only time I'm ever going to do this with a record. I'm, I love history, and I love music, and combining the two has been wonderful for me, so I'm certainly thinking about how to kind of continue in that world in some shape or form. Awesome. Uh, you struck me as someone who could just pick up a guitar and bust out some chords, make up a song on the spot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure they'd necessarily be very good. I'm going to go, certainly. I assume that's not always always the case, though. Which of your songs as are taking a long time to perfect? Uh, well, that's the thing. I mean, some songs, some songs take 20 minutes and some songs take five years or longer. Yeah. Um, there's a song on No Man's Land called uh, I Believed You, William Blake, and um, that's actually quite a good example of both in the sense that the music to that song I've had lying around since I was a million dead um, in fact it's, it's about three quarters of it was riffs and ideas that were rejected by the rest of the band, <laughs> the idiots yeah, um, now we know why we went yeah. solo <laughs> and, I, and I was always really happy with the melody and the chord structure and all the rest of it And um, I, I've had drafts of other words that go over it in a million different ways over the years, none of which have really landed. And then I read um, Peter Ackroyd's biography of William Blake and was just instantly captured by the figure of his wife, Catherine. Um, and then uh, I, was on, I was on holiday in Italy, funnily enough, and I sat down with that book and with that idea and I wrote the lyrics that, as they currently stand in about an hour, maybe. Oh, wow. They just sort of came. Uh, and, and it just felt right, do you know what I mean? And, and didn't really get revised very much after that. But it's funny, I mean, I have songs that, um, I have a song called Good and Gone, which I'm playing tonight, which took me about 20 minutes to write. And I have a song called The Way I Tend to Be, which is one of my more famous songs, which took me yeah. uh, a good four or five years to get right. And I'm still not 100% convinced that it is right. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's a bit late for that now, shall we say. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I mean, how long is a piece of string, really, at the end of the day? And, and sometimes you, you land it and sometimes you don't. You've only these people that struggles with that when you play a song live and you think, oh, can I add that, add that, does the song bit, ever finish? And you can change, there are bits of a song that you can tweak after the event in terms of the arrangement and the delivery and the style, but I'm not so much, I do think that once a set of words is in and a chord structure is in, they generally, that's kind of been yeah. laid down, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so um, uh, there, there's still a bit of post-release uh, post tweaking that goes on. <laughs> post-song stress disorder. Mm. Well, yes, quite, exactly. Post-recording stress disorder, post-studio stress disorder. Yeah, um, uh, there's a fair amount of that, yes. So what's next for Frank after this tour? Well, I mean, in the immediate future, um, I don't quite know what's happening touring-wise because I obviously had a lot of plans, and obviously a lot of those plans are now um, in tatters. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. see what happens. I mean, again, me and my crew are trying to work out what the best thing to do is. Um, the uh, But taking the slightly longer view, um, I have lots of different irons in the fire, but the main thing for me is that I am working on a new record in my head. I'm at the writing stage, but I'm feeling great about writing at the moment. I've got, um, got about 12 songs finished. I want to get to about 20 and then whittle it down to, to a record. But uh, it's going to be... I, every record I make, I try and do something pretty different. Um, I hope that people have twigged by now that that is actively <laughs> what I'm trying to do. But yeah, I'm feeling pretty pretty good about where things are going, and it's going to surprise people, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Any little teasers? What can you tell us about? I, I'm not going to go so far as that yet, <laughs> just because. Uh, because first, uh, mainly simply because that you know there's many a slip between, between cup and lip, as they say, and there's an entirely possible that I will completely change my mind between <laughs> now and getting into the studio. But time will tell. Yeah. 
Any, any chance of a bonus album in a few years of all those songs that didn't quite um, make it? Yeah, I tend to put stuff out. I'm not really one for kind of sitting on stuff, to be honest. I've done a fair few kind of like we do. We tend to do an EP after the record with with the, with the, the Jetson, should we say? Yeah. Um, and uh, um, and, and get stuff out there. And there's a couple of other things coming, but again, I can't quite talk about them just yet. But I'm going to be busy. Um, I'm always busy. Do you know what I mean? And there's there's stuff coming. Cool. Frank, thanks for chatting to us. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Good luck with the gig tonight. Thank the rest you. of the tour. Thank you. Phoenix 98 FM. Thanks for getting your music heard by thousands through the power of radio. Your music could be playing right now on Phoenix FM. Just send us a message. Tweet me at Stupink, S-T-E-W-P-I-N-K, or send an email to Stuart at phoenixfm.com to make your music our music. This is Phoenix 98 FM. Go to phoenixfm.com and listen to online guest interviews. Check the events for your area and listen to great radio online. Beautiful. Lovely. Thank you so much. Painless.